0: This is an audio sermon recorded at the Church of Christ at Johnson Mill in Fayetteville, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth according to the New Testament. Come worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 at 3801 Johnson Mill Boulevard. Let's read from Acts 26 there at the top, verse 27 and 28. Paul has just preached his heart out to King Agrippa and his wife Bernice and when he nears the end, he says, "King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest." Then Agrippa said unto Paul, "Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian." I think those are some of the saddest words in the Bible. "Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian." These are spoken by Agrippa after he heard the gospel, after Paul had reasoned so brilliant with him, brilliantly with him, out of the word of God. This was his response to Paul, almost. And I'm sure it broke Paul's heart because later he will tell him that he wished that he were not all just almost, but altogether such as Paul was. In other words, that he was a Christian. I wonder how many are here today who have said and heard the Word of God taught. And you just almost, almost became a Christian. But you never have quite done that yet you have another opportunity today if you're in that situation to become a christian and to encourage you to do that i want to talk about some of the blessings that we have as christians i want us to really go back and reflect upon things we could we could obviously talk about this in a whole series of sermons and we would be a long time ever completing the study but in our limited time today let's just talk about some things i want to talk to you this morning about blessings that we have in this life, being Christians. Then I want to talk to you about some blessings that we are expecting in the future at at our death. When we close our eyes in death, what we can expect, and what great blessing it will be at that time if we've been a child of God. And number three, I want to talk briefly about some blessings that we can expect at the coming of Jesus, blessings that are eternal in nature. So present blessings, and blessings, blessings right after death, and blessings after the resurrection at the coming of Jesus. Let's talk first about blessings in this life and first of all there's so many blessings and God's spiritual blessings are found only in Jesus Christ if you're looking there on the front center. How do we get into Jesus? Galatians 3 verse 26 27 tells us how to become Christians, how to get into Christ. Paul said for you're all the children of God, by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So faith in Jesus and baptism into Christ is how we get into Him. And if we're in Christ today, there are great blessings in Him. In fact, in Ephesians 1 and 3, we learn that all spiritual blessings are found in Jesus, nowhere else. Paul said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. All of God's blessings, spiritually of nature, are found in Jesus and they are not found anywhere else. Outside of Him we don't have these things. But in Jesus we have every spiritual blessing God has. We have righteousness, peace, joy, comfort, strength, hope, anything that you can name of a spiritual nature is found in being a Christian and is found only in Jesus Christ. And we get into Him through faith and by being baptized into Him. And if you are in Christ this morning as a Christian, then you have all of God's spiritual blessings. Secondly, in Acts 4 verse 11 and 12, another blessing in Christ in being a Christian is salvation. Peter was speaking to the Jews about Jesus. And he said to them, This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There is salvation in Jesus and in no other. If you're a Christian today, you're saved. You have salvation from the sin that you've committed. In Romans 8 and 1, another blessing in Christ. Paul said, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, so if you're in Christ today and a Christian, there is no condemnation. In other words, no one can come and condemn you for anything that you've said or done that they may know about, not even the devil. Not even Satan can come before God and say, you know, I remember the time so-and-so did this or said that. Because when we're in Jesus, when we're a Christian and no sins are forgiven, there is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. What a great blessing that nothing can be done to condemn you and I for in Christ faithfully. In Ephesians 1 and 7 he names another blessing, and that is redemption and forgiveness. Speaking of Christ Paul said, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. So in the Lord we have redemption, we have salvation, we have the forgiveness of our sins there. All of these things we enjoy presently in Christ in being Christians. All spiritual blessings, salvation, no condemnation, redemption, forgiveness. We could go on and on listing things that are found in Jesus Christ and nowhere else. And then there are the blessings of a Christian home. I look around here this morning and I see some young married couples. I see some couples that are dating that likely will marry. I see some of you already married and already uh, with a family and raising children and so there's a variety of different kinds of folks here today and that's good because we can talk about the blessings of being a christian in regard to the christian home there's nothing like having a christian companion there's nothing like having a christian home i was thinking as i was sitting there this morning during the song service even i was thinking about jared and caroline sitting kind of behind me there and thinking about how they had had been married, but they've obeyed the Gospel and now they're Christians. And I'm sure they would tell you it's made an impact on their home, that they're different people than they used to be, even though they were perhaps always in love with each other and and had a nice relationship with each other. I'm sure being Christians has made that better, as it should. And some of these young ones here today will soon be taking a Christian companion. and, And so, it's wonderful to have a Christian home. And that's one of the blessings of being a Christian. We have an opportunity to pick a good mate, a companion, one that shares our ideas and one that shares our values and our morals and our beliefs and doctrines. In Ephesians 5, verse 22 to 33, the Bible says a lot about husbands and wives, and I'm not going to comment a lot on these verses, but I do want to read them to remind us of some things that are said here. Paul said, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word and shall be joined unto his wife, and they two shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Paul compares marriage here to the relationship between the Lord and the church, and how the husband is head of the wife as Christ is head of the church and the Savior of the body. He talks about how the wife is to be submissive to the husband as the church is submissive unto Christ, how the wife should reverence her husband, and how the husband should love his wife as he loves his own body, that he should nourish and cherish her as he does his own flesh. He talks about this relationship between them. There's nothing like a Christian home. And some of you that are seeking a companion or will seek a companion are those of you that have already found one of course know the value surely by now of having a Christian of if you're a young lady here today of having a husband that will love you just like Jesus loves the church think about that that would lay down his life for you and not only die for you but loves you just like he loves his own body that will nourish you just like He nourishes and cherishes His own flesh. This is the relationship that the Christian has in the home. And then uh, young, young men, think about, think about a wife that submits to your loving rule like the church is subject to Christ. A woman that will submit to you that will reverence you and respect you and treasure you as her husband. Think about that kind of relationship. You see, there are a lot of marriages today that are that are just they're just horrible. The situations in them are, in them are horrible. The people that are in them are, are just miserable. And if you're in a bad marriage, there's really nothing much worse on earth. Look at Proverbs 21:19. The Bible says it's better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and an angry woman. Now that's true. That's true. Of course, it's true first because the Bible says it. But if you've got a good marriage, it's heaven on earth, and if you've got a bad one, it's hell on earth, and it really is. And a person, as Solomon says, is better to go live in the wilderness all alone than to try to live with an angry and contentious woman, and I assume that it's that way with an angry and contentious man, that you're better off. You're better off going south of Fayetteville here and getting down in these mountains, and just wandering off in the woods and down there in the wilderness, and living all by yourself I assure you that you'll have more peace and contentment than you will with an angry and contentious partner. And so one of the great blessings is that we can have a a Christian home. It's also a blessing when it comes to the children, in nurturing them, in raising them, in disciplining them, when we have someone that believes in following the Lord's ways, and when we're like-minded with our companion in how we treat our children and how we raise them and nurture them and discipline them. The Bible tells us here in Proverbs 22 and verse 6, train up the child in the way that he should go, and when he is old he will not depart from it. And it's good to have a couple that believes in the Lord and in His ways and in His Word and see them pulling together and see them like-minded in how they're training and raising their because they're going to raise a lot better children that way. They're going to know when to discipline and how to discipline. Notice some passages here. Notice Proverbs 23, verse 13 and 14. The Bible says, Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod, and shalt deliver his soul from hell. The last time I looked, there are no vital organs back here. And so when we whip a child back here and when we spank their bottom, we don't endanger their life. In fact, we save their soul. The Bible says we deliver them from hell. And when the Bible speaks of beating a child, it's not talking about child abuse. It's talking about proper discipline. And you know, you can over-discipline and you can underdiscipline a child. And you that are parents, I'm sure, have, have prayed many times for wisdom to know just exactly what you need to do when a child is unruly because you can beat them too much. You can overdiscipline, and you can make them angry, and you can fail to dis- them, discipline them enough and properly, and you can ruin them in that way. Ephesians 6, He speaks all to, also to the children. I'm glad there are children here to hear this. But the Bible says, children obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long upon the earth. It talks about honoring your father and mother, young people, and obeying your parents. I have preached funerals for young people who didn't didn't obey their parents, who didn't honor father and mother, who wouldn't listen to them. I remember preaching the funeral of a young man several years ago who Instead of listening to dad and mom, he got in the car with a bunch of boys that were in from college on the weekend and had been out drinking, and they were drunken, and uh, the driver of that car lost control. It was a pickup with four boys in it, and they hit a a big pine tree. It killed three of the four, and I had the the young man's funeral. He was a junior in high school, had his whole life in front of him but he didn't listen to mom and dad. And this commandment here, young people, has promise. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother, listen, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long upon the earth. And that doesn't guarantee you a long life, young person, but it guarantees you the prospect of it. The odds increase when you listen to mother and dad, and when you obey your parents and honor them. And I've done the funeral of of many a young person that did not listen to mother and dad. I had a funeral one time, a double funeral, a high school senior and a freshman in high school, just a ninth grader. And if you can picture preaching a funeral like this with double caskets up in front of you, just young people, teenagers, still in school, not ready to face the Lord in judgment raised up in the church and knowing what to do, but not having obeyed the Gospel. And it's a sad situation with parents who are heartbroken. And so you see the value of being a Christian, of being ready at all times, of the relationships that we have in in a home there. Look at Ephesians 6.4. He says, Your fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. As fathers, He gives us responsibility of uh, training our children. And that falls upon the father. If you're a father here today, or you intend to be a father one day, you need to know the Bible. And you need to have the wisdom to to discipline your child, your children just right. Notice He says, fathers provoke not your children under wrath. I've seen parents that were just on their kids continually, every little thing every little thing they do, and just always disciplining them and and, uh, just own them continually. And you can see the children are frustrated, and they get angry. And the Bible speaks about provoking our children to anger. We can actually over-discipline. We're to bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And, And our kids need discipline, and they need to be spanked at times. But you and I as parents need the wisdom and the understanding to know how much discipline to give and when to give it and to what extent it should be. Because we can, we can actually beat our kids down and ruin their personalities and, and leave them angry and frustrated. And we don't want to do that. So we want to discipline them just right. And if you've got a companion that is trying to please the Lord and, and uh, respects the Word of God as you do, then you'll be in agreement with that companion and you'll do a whole lot better job raising your family. There's the blessings of a Christian home that we can enjoy in this life. And there's no home like a Christian home. Then there's the blessings of the Lord's church, blessings found in the church. I want you to notice Galatians 6 2 with me. The Bible says to us, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I was thinking about Brother Leland this morning as I was driving over, and several of us were at the hospital when, uh, when he came in for surgery the very day he was admitted. And I want the family to know today, I looked around that day, I counted between 25 and 30 people that were at the hospital just for Leland, bearing the burdens there of the family. And uh, when the children got there, some of the children, why? There was still, there was a a great number of people already there, many that had been there for hours. And I know you all have noticed that blessing. Uh, There's just nothing like being in the church and being among God's people. And when we've got problems and when we've got needs and we need somebody to talk to and some counsel and advice, there's nothing like being a Christian. And having Christians. In the assembly, let's notice that there are blessings of that. In Hebrews 10, verse 24 and 25. The Bible says, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. How valuable is the church today? How valuable are these assemblies when we can gather and we can encourage and provoke each other to love and to good works, to set examples in front of each other, to sing to each other and teach and admonish in these songs, to lift up prayers to God together. There's nothing like being in the assemblies to get knowledge of God's Word and uh, comfort from it and strength from it and encouragement from it. There's nothing like The blessings that we gain from being in the assemblies and these people today that that lay out and do not go to church i I don't know how they conduct their lives i don't know how they get by sometimes there's nothing like going to church and being in the assemblies there's nothing like being a christian when you need help let's look at acts 2 in verse 41 to 47. we read here of the early church the first day it was established When Peter first preached the gospel, 3,000 people obeyed and were added to the church. And the Bible says in Acts 2 and 41, Then they that gladly received His word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. These early Christians continued steadfast in the Apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in breaking of bread, in prayers. We read that, that some of them sold their possessions and parted them to all men as every man had need. And we've seen that here just recently among those that are in this very assembly today, for example. Some of you, when you, when you came up to check on loved ones, were provided lodging. And so I was uh, noticing the other day at the hospital when we were with Jill, several individual Christians were there to comfort her, but some of them handed her money, knowing that she was gonna have to have meals and be there for Leland around the clock and such things, and that there were people in the family to feed. And so they just took their possessions and they shared willingly with her. Zach and Susan have lost their house recently in a tornado and the church shared with them some of the material resources that we have in order that they might have a little easier time getting through things. They will tell you about the the burdens that people help bear, that the work that's been done out there on their place for them in and, and times when they really needed it. There's just nothing like being a Christian, there's nothing like the church, nothing like brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, and I don't mean to embarrass or, or humiliate anyone, but Ricky and Robbie just recently have had needs. And they'll tell you this. And they, uh, Rick's not been able to work and they've had problem getting uh, uh, money to, just to get by. And so someone paid their rent recently, most of the rent that they owed this month. And when they had to go this week to Oklahoma City for treatment at the doctor, money was given to them for travel. And for meals and, and where they would have the things that they needed. That's just the blessings of being a Christian. That Christians can share their, their blessings with each other when we have problems. And all of us have times when we just need a helping hand. We don't need somebody to put us on welfare. We need a lift. We need some help right then. And thank God we have the church. There's nothing like being a Christian. And I don't know what I don't know what people do without the church. I don't know what they do in their life without being a Christian without being around people like-minded who literally love them and care for them who will listen to them when they have burdens and problems and talk to them and give them advice and counsel and study with them and encourage them and when they're down and out on their luck and they need financial help who will open up and generously give from their heart to them there's nothing like being a Christian Folks, I've just, I've just scratched the surface, these are blessings in this life. We talked about blessings in Christ, how that in Christ there's all spiritual blessings, there's salvation and no condemnation and redemption and forgiveness, the value of the Christian home with wife and husband and children. We have talked about blessings of the church in bearing burdens in the assemblies and in helping one another when that help is needed. But there's also another value of being a Christian, and that's the value of being a Christian when death comes, and all of us are going to die. And One day our eyes will close in death, and we'll fold our hands, and this life will be over. And there's such great value then in being a Christian. Revelation 14 and 13, John said, I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, blessed are the dead which die in the lord from henceforth yea saith the spirit that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them what's going to happen when you and i die when our soul leaves our body what's going to happen to us you know we've talked a little bit about death and i've got some things i'll mention briefly that are not not on this study chart today but man is a three-part being There are three parts to us. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23. You'll have to write these down if you want them. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23. Paul said, the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God that your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of the Lord Jesus. He says we have a spirit, a soul, and a body. Three parts to us. At death all three of these separate. And they go to different places. Our spirit, for example, goes back to God, whether we are a Christian or non-Christian. The spirit goes back to God. Ecclesiastes 12 and 7 says, Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit unto God who gave it. When Jesus died on the cross in Luke 23 and 46, Jesus said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. His spirit went back to God. When they stoned Stephen in Acts chapter 7, verse 59, Acts 7, 59, they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. So when we die and that spirit separates from the body, the spirit returns to God. And then the body, of course, usually we bury. Some choose to cremate, but most of us bury the body of our loved one, and we take care of it in that way. But what about our soul? We have a soul. Paul said, I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless. What happens to the soul? There on the front in the bottom center, in Luke 16 at verse twenty or 19 through 26, Jesus tells the story of two men who lived here on earth and what happened to them when they died. And we have the scripture there, as well as a diagram. I want you to look at that with me. Jesus said there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Jesus pictured two men here on earth. One of them is a rich man, clothed in purple and fine linen, who fares sumptuously every day, and the other is a beggar. Full of sores and laid daily at the rich man's gate, just begging for crumbs that might fall from his table. He talks about the death of these men, and notice that when the beggar died, verse 22, he was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. This is a place in Hades where the soul goes. The Lord called it Abraham's bosom. It's a place of comfort where God's people are. And if you and I are a Christian, It doesn't matter. Whenever death comes, angels come. And they bear our soul over across the way to this beautiful place. It's a wonderful place. And in this place are all of God's people. Over there in this place called Abraham's bosom right now in Hades are the souls of all of those that have served the Lord. Over there is righteous Abel, the ark builder Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, Samuel and all the prophets, there's John the Baptist, there's the apostles, there are people that you and I have known in this life that we've sat and worshipped with, that have served our Lord faithfully, and now they're over there in that place of comfort because they were Christians. What if we're not Christians? What if we're not children of God? Look at the rich man in this story. Verse 22, read it again. It came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried, and in hell or in Hades he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. This man, when he died, lifted up his eyes immediately in torment because he did not serve God. And you and I, if we're not Christians, when we die, we'll wind up in this very place of torment where this rich man has now been perhaps for millenniums. He was in torment immediately after death. The blessing of being a Christian is this rest and comfort at death that you and I are going to experience one day. We're going to die one day, and five minutes later we're going to be somewhere. While they're conducting our funeral service, while they're saying this or that about us, our soul's going to be someplace. And we won't be hearing the songs, and we won't be hearing the message that day. We won't hear the obit read. We won't hear the eulogy. We won't see the pictures up on the screen that they might be showing of the family and of times that that person was here on earth. All of those things might be viewed and and heard by those that have gathered, but not by us. And you and I will be in torment, or we'll be in comfort immediately. There's great value in being a Christian when we get ready to close our eyes in death. And if you're not a Christian yet you need to think about that because that's going to happen one day and then there are blessings that we want to notice that the Christian has at the coming of Jesus and I'm going to look at three different categories number one is the resurrection now all of us are going to have a resurrection we're all going to rise from the dead in John 5 28 29 Jesus said, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear His voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. There is a resurrection to life and a resurrection to condemnation. And you and I are going to have a resurrection. But the Christian has a glorious resurrection, a different resurrection, the consequences of it are much different than the sinner. In First Thessalonians 4, in verse 16 to 18, Paul said, For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. There is a resurrection to life, a glorious resurrection, and that's what the Christian has. It's it's nice to be raised, but if you're going to be raised up and sent to hell, what what good is that? What kind of resurrection is that? A resurrection to damnation, Jesus called it. Be raised up and thrown into the lake of fire? That's not a real good resurrection, is it? It would have been better off to have stayed in the grave. But the Christian has a resurrection you see that is glorious in nature and they rise to meet Jesus in the air and they are forever with the Lord. The second blessing at His coming is the blessing of an eternal inheritance. Now we can inherit things in this life and we can have possessions, but what we might inherit here is not going to last. First Timothy 6 and verse 6 to 10. The Bible says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. It's possible to inherit things from uh, our parents or grandparents or somebody else in this life. Oftentimes people do that. But these possessions are not going to last. That kind of inheritance is soon gone because Paul said we brought nothing into this world and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. The Bible says that godliness with contentment is great gain. Every time I read that, I think about an old brother that lived over in Madison County on a on a mountaintop over there. He went to church at uh, the Ball Creek Congregation over there, Brother Fred Burnett. And I used to go see old Fred, and he, he lived on this mountaintop, and he was just dirt poor. You looked at his fields, and they were full of bitter weeds. There wasn't any good grass hardly in them. His old house was a, was a collection of different kinds of lumber. And it ran different directions, just any way to seal up cracks. Now, he had a nice wood stove in the winter, and it would run you out of there. It was so hot. But the old house probably didn't have any insulation. And uh, I was talking to Brother Fred one day, and he, he said, Pat, he said, I'm not a fool. He said, I, I knew when I moved up on this old mountaintop that the ground wasn't much good up here. And he said, I, I knew that the land would be a whole lot better down in the valleys and in the river bottoms. But he said, I've always been content up here. Always been content. You see, he had him some chickens and he milked him a cow and he, he had some bees and had honey and he raised a garden. And he beat him out a nice little living up there on that old mountaintop and that old poor ground that wouldn't hardly grow grow the bitter weeds that was on it. But he's one of the most contented people I've ever met in my life, and he didn't have a dime hardly. Godliness with contentment is a great game. Probably a lot of people laughed at that old man. But Brother Fred lived way up into his 80s, if not into the 90s. And, all, and died a very contented person. And I know there are people about it that uh, have beautiful homes and fine automobiles and nice clothing and such things as that. And I've seen a lot of them that are miserable. This old man had learned to be content. Godliness with contentment's great gain. We brought nothing into this world, and it's certain that we can carry nothing out. I've often said one day I'm going to be as wealthy as Sam Walton. Sam doesn't have a dime anymore. When he died, he left everything behind. When I die, I'm going to be just as wealthy as Sam. I'm going to leave everything behind. Death's a great equalizer. It strips every person of everything they've got, even your clothes. You might be buried in some clothes, but you're not taking them out of here. We take nothing out we lose everything we have. But if you're a Christian today, you're heir to an absolute fortune. And I like to think of every child of God as a wealthy person. I'm looking at a lot of wealthy people here today because you're Christians. We're heirs of a fortune. Look at Romans 8, verse 14 to 18. The Bible says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God... They are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time, are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. You and I are heirs to the unsearchable riches of Christ if we're a Christian. And we're actually very wealthy people. I don't think we can even imagine what is laid up for those who love the Lord. We have no idea. We know that we have a fortune, we know we have an inheritance, we know it's reserved in heaven. We know it will never corrupt, that nobody will ever steal it, and that it will never perish and, and rot away. In 1 Peter 1, verse 3 and 4, Peter said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. You and I, if we're Christians, have an inheritance that's reserved there. It's, it's non corruptible, it cannot be defiled. Thieves can't break in and steal it. It's an inheritance that we'll, we'll not lose as long as we serve the Lord. So there's the blessing of that inheritance. And finally, at the coming of Jesus, the blessing of everlasting life. We've watched Brother Leland this week struggle for life came very close to losing his life. And there will be a lot of money spent preserving his life. There just will be. A lot of times when we get down uh, gravely ill, I've, I've seen people spend everything they had trying to live just a little bit longer. Nothing wrong with that. Folks will go borrow money trying to live just a little bit longer here on earth. We value life we want to live. But when Jesus comes we'll have life, and we'll have everlasting life. What's what's that worth? Matthew 25 verse 31, Christ said, When the Son of Man shall come in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory, and before Him shall be gathered all nations. And He shall separate them one from another as a shepherd. Divideth his sheep from the goats, and he shall set his sheep on the right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. We read in verse 46 that these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. How would you like to live forever? We value life, we want to live. We give all that we have for just a few more months on this earth. We'll spend every dime trying to stay here longer. It's our nature, we want to live. When the Lord comes, if we're His and we're a faithful Christian, we'll enter into life everlasting. We'll never know pain heartache, sorrow, trouble, hunger, thirst. There'll never be anything trouble our hearts for the rest of eternity. And we'll live and live and live and live and just keep on living. That's the blessing of being a Christian. Well, we've talked about blessings in this present life, blessings at death, blessings at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing like being a Christian. And I hope I've said some things this morning that if you're not a Christian, that you're not just almost persuaded that you need to be one, you're completely persuaded. And if you and I here are already Christians, I hope we value what we have that we see the the benefit and the value of being a Christian and the blessings that we not only enjoy now, but that we'll have when we die and that we'll have when Jesus returns to this earth. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from God's Word. To receive new sermons each week, subscribe on Google Play Music, iTunes, Spotify, and like us on Facebook. Thanks for listening, and God bless.